Hi and welcome to this episode of Dynamics Update. We are back after a little break uh, and uh, we are going to talk today about the version 10.0.38 and with me as usual I have Gustav Sundberg. Hello Gustav. Hello, hello Johan, how are you? I am fine thank you, uh, I'm fine thank you and uh, we have a big update to look forward to yeah. and a lot of updates today. <laughs> so I thought I'd actually start this one with Go the ahead. biggest news biggest news of them all. <laughs> we will soon be out of job because yeah. Microsoft is changing the release cadence. <laughs> we are no longer getting eight updates a year. We are only get from now on we are only getting four updates a year. And also an important thing here, um the update this time be will be called uh, calendar year 24 Q1. That is the name of the update. Makes sense. Yes, uh, obvious. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. uh, then you think, okay, so we have four updates a year and I can skip three of them. That's really nice. No, that's <laughs> not how this works. Um, and if you think that's nice, maybe you should reconsider. Yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, you are only allowed to skip one. Yeah. So I'm going to jump up, up on my little soapbox here. And just uh, stick my neck out a bit and say that I prefer eight updates over four updates. So um, why do I do that? Well, there are a couple of reasons. First of all, we are not getting fewer things updated. We will only get them spaced out further, which means that every single update will be a larger one in comparison to how it was before with eight updates a year. Yeah. So we, we will get more new feature in every single update, which means that we will never have an episode where we don't have anything to talk about. But <laughs> that also means that more code will be updated in your environment every single time. And also, since you can only skip one, that might in some cases be an issue because you might end up in a situation where you would have to need to skip another one, but that won't be possible. The other reason why I think eight is better than four is that it's because of practice. We get to practice up deploying updates eight times a year instead of four times a year, which means that it will be more of a non-issue when we do it it will be more of a just like, okay, so this is, this is what we do basically almost every month anyway. So it doesn't make any difference, which means that eventually we will get good at it and it, it won't be an issue. It also means that every single time we will get more features that are set to on by default, which means that there will be more features that we, that we need to go through and validate and make sure that they yeah, so I I share your concern about the, the specifically the exercise part, the well, the practice part, where I think doing it more often mm -hmm. gives you um, a better chance to kind of build something automated around it. Uh, if we only do it twice a year, everyone's gonna be oh, okay. Let's just do it manually. But also, I think uh, I, I'm not that worried about the four updates, depending on uh, if you have a proper. Um, procedure in place with testing it's more on like the business alignment and business planning that I always strive for uh, to avoid doing those customizations which might um, become a problem down the line 
it's easier to say, okay, look here, we have the release planner. We can what the, what you're requesting here is coming soon, uh, maybe next release or the release after that. It makes it even more important to have a longer planning horizon for your business to to adhere to. And I think that might be a, a more tricky point that might lead to more uh, solutions that are custom um, in the end. So we'll see. Jury is still out, and and, and on our our uh, uh, podcast here, I think we just need to extend. Either we should stick to start with like an investigative journalism and do all raffing and stuff like that on the dynamic side. I'm not sure, um, or we can do more uh, like um, special episodes and interviews. Hopefully, so hopefully that will still mean. Or we need to maybe split it up. I think for this uh, 38, there were so many different small and big features that I wanted to bring up that maybe. Uh, the half an hour that we try to stick to doesn't cut it anymore. So we'll maybe divide it up into two episodes. Who knows? Yes, yes. And uh, and also, uh, one other thing that I, I need to point out as well is that if you have a feature that you're waiting for, that you need, it will take longer to get it. Yeah, exactly. So either that's okay, as long as you, you know about it, or these little solutions and nifty like uh, workarounds will pop up and they are harder like weed in your backyard they are harder <laughs> to get rid of than you would suspect <clears throat> absolutely absolutely so what's your first one um so without any um priority here i went through i just started with finance actually um i'm not a finance consultant big disclaimer here but I've spent a lot of time as a technical consultant, as well as um, helping out with helping out with um, reconciliation, balancing customer and vendor um, balances between payment journals, etc. And I noticed one feature, which is uh, net uh, net customer and vendor balance. Basically, it enables netting capability between open balances on on the customer and vendor side. Uh, so. Basically, if they all amount to zero, the settlement process becomes easier. I haven't gone into this and how it works. I bring it up because I spend so much time uh, helping uh, finance people out with this. So uh, anyone out there working with balancing uh, should investigate this feature to see if it can help you reduce complexity and maybe save some time. Uh, there's also a feature for cash and bank statements, like settling bank statements. Um, with open customer invoices directly. So it seems these two features um, might uh, make your, your balancing and your reconciliation <clears throat> process more um, more efficient, I hope. So uh, those two are worth looking into. Yeah, sure. So my, my next one is actually also quite the big one, and it has to do with, with dual write. We have mentioned dual write a couple of times, and it's sort of the go-to solution for moving data to and from uh, sorry, moving data between CRM and FNO. And uh, there is an issue with dual light. There are, there are actually a couple of issues with dual light. But, but one of the main issues is actually that it's only synchronous, hmm. which means that in some cases, when you do enter something in FNO, you actually have to wait for it to be written to CE before you actually can save the form in FNO. Meaning that, for instance, when you add an order and so on, the UI tends to get a bit sluggish because you need to wait for CE to, to do yeah, the same thing. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying that CE by default is slow. I'm just <laughs> saying that there Careful. is a latency between the two systems and it's sort of built in, so to speak. Yeah, but what's happening now is that Microsoft is building in an asynchronous option 
uh, into dual right. They they mentioned the word eventually consistent, meaning <laughs> that so what you do in FNO will be saved in FNO, and then it will eventually be synced over to CE. So of course, not all things can be set to asynchronous because some things actually need to be. So I would say like, uh, uh, I mean, master data, for instance, group names and, and uh, things that appear in drop-down boxes and so on on the other system, I would say those need to be synchronous because they need to be there as, as soon as possible. But for instance, sales orders is one of those things that, I mean, if we add sales orders to FNO, it isn't that crucial that they end up in CE at the exact same moment as they are in FNO. It's no. it's okay if they get synced during the night or or in an hour or whatever, because everyone <laughs> knows that it might take some time and it it they don't expect it to turn up the second they they click the the button. That's a big so, whatever. I mean, that depends on the case, right? You, you always, but it's uh, worth mentioning because the, everyone thinking. I need this ASAP real time. In many cases, like nine out of 10 times, you don't actually need it real time. You need it as fast as you need it, but it doesn't have to be that synchronous as you describe. But uh, I think if you ask salespeople, I think they will object to getting it once a night. <laughs> so. Yeah, but, but, you, but what you also need to figure out here is that when it comes to dependencies, dependencies needs to be there because what happens if dependencies are i mean we have a retry retry solution mm -hmm. which means that if we have a dependency that hasn't been synced and we try to add like a sales order for instance and say the product isn't there so we can't push the sales order to ce because the the, the product isn't in in ce for instance then we can't create the sales order then it will actually wait for that to happen and it yeah. will retry again but what also happens is that we will also get an error log saying that these transactions weren't able to be pushed over to CE. So there need to be a process to verify that there are not things stuck in this queue. Yeah, I think that's the main point. I mean, uh, what you describe is the, the major pain point of basically all integrations, uh, <laughs> like dependencies and, and the possibility to retry and, and queue. But it's all, it always boils down to that there has to be a queue, like a classic service bus um, message queue, uh, but who is monitoring it and who is responsible for it. And if, if this works as well as I hope it does, it opens up a whole box of possibilities for uh, much better usage and like believed performance of the system as well. But as you say, the devil is in the details here, the, the complexity of these um, um, prerequisites that need to be in place and the sequencing that needs to be in place. It's basically a whole integration implementation, but will be interesting to, to see how it works. Yep. How well absolutely. it works. Yes, absolutely. Yes. So, uh, my next one is actually, um, one that has to be do with, with things that are being removed. So one of the features that is being removed in, um, in the March 2024 version is actually uh, the ability to add external users from another Azure AD without adding them as guests. Mm. So before you could actually manually go in and tell the system that I need to add a user with this email address and it needs to use this Azure AD provider. So you add the URL for the provider, and then you add the domain for that user 
afterwards. <clears throat> now, what we need to do in order to get this to work, we need to make sure that all of the users have a guest account in the home tenant of FNO. So we can't really do cross-tenant logins anymore without a proper guest account. Yeah. Makes sense from a security perspective, of course, to someone actually approved this and it's not only the functional consultant who added it in the user info table. Exactly. Um, so it just it's important, it's very important not to, um, well, to miss it and to overlook because you, there, I suspect there are many such uh, users out there that need to be properly invited to your... Yes, I am, I'm, just wonder, I'm just wondering how this will work because... I am guessing there won't be a UI in FNO to invite users. That means that you need to invite them. You, you need to have IT invite them first. Yeah. Because if you use, for instance, SharePoint, as long as as soon as you add someone to SharePoint that is in, in the correct tenant, they an email, email will go. Yeah. A, an email will go out to those users and say you are invited to this tenant as a guest user. Yeah. But I'm guessing that this won't happen from FNO. I'm, as I said, I, d I don't know. I'm just guessing here. Yeah. But because I, I know I know for a fact that we have had users that have limitations on external users being able to access their tenant. So yeah. that's basically the same thing. They have a policy in place which says if you're not a guest user or you're not a user from this tenant, you are not allowed to do anything here. Hmm. And before we figured that out, that all of the users that had been added to their SharePoint worked, but the other users didn't. It took some time to understand why, why it didn't work, because we didn't realize that they were automatically invited as guest users. But mm. um, So with that being said, um, have a look out for this. If you're not able to add external users, that might be an issue. And one more thing, I know for a fact that there are customers of mine that have multiple Azure AD tenants. So they need to figure out how this works in order to yeah. get it to work. But it makes a little sense to move because it is moved to <clears throat> Azure and Entra ID rather than having it as a, like a sub directory within FNO. So it makes sense to have all your directory clearances uh, handled the same way. Uh, it's just interesting to see how many will log on and say, I can't access how many support tickets it will drive in, in the client's um, IT operations. Might make be a, a nice gesture to send to your operations to say, hey, this is going to happen. So uh, be prepared. Yes. So All right. what's your next one? Um, this one is a bit complicated. It's uh, compound surcharges. And it ties in a little bit. Uh, we didn't bring this up, I think, the rebate management and a lot of new like functionality or improved functionality that, to allow for complex scenarios for um, yeah, rebate handling or in this case uh, surcharges, auto charges basically. So what it's added is uh, several types of, of compound surcharges um, <clears throat> where you can do sequencing, compound, value base. You can there's a ton of settings that you can use here to to calculate your charges based on percentage up to a specific point. Um, it's it can be as complex as you want it to be, uh, but I know there are many, many complicated scenarios out there uh, globally that that I think might benefit from this, where you need to to calculate specific uh, charges based on 
well, it, it can't be a fixed charge. It can't be just a percentage of the, the order total. It has to be a percentage of the VAT unless it's snowing outside. And then it has to be like this. It's a lot of different complex rules out there. Um, so I implore you to look into this um, this feature because it's really it needs to be set up in a test environment and really evaluated uh, because you can configure a lot here and it can probably bite you in the behind if you don't do it do it right. Uh, but it opens up a new um, <clears throat> together with a lot of stuff that has come to the recent years, like the landed cost, uh, gives you a way to be really, really detailed in how you track your costs and how you add your charges to your um, transactions. Um, so compound surcharges—that's a big feature. Yep. All right. My next one is actually sort of the same as um, uh, the one I had before. It also has to do with Microsoft Entra ID. There is actually a. It's not a bug. It's just an undocumented feature uh, <laughs> that uh, happened to slip out uh, in the in this uh, 30.37 version. So what happens is that if you spin up a new uh, dev box after November 15th, there is a magic cutoff date. Oh, cutoff date there. Uh, then, when you go into the user management, you won't be able to add users from enter ID. You might you you will not be able to import them. You can add them manually, but you can't import them. So the reason for this is there is actually a certificate in every dev box, or there used to be a certificate in every dev box, which means that it can talk to enter ID by default. Um, that <clears throat> certificate has been removed as of uh, November 15th. Uh, there is a there is a link in the show notes for this podcast where you can actually see how to fix it. So you can actually put it back. You can actually put the connection to Enter ID back into the system. Mm. But that also means that if you do that, you need to um, you need to do it manually. In that case, I mean, okay. we have some customers which use. In some cases, for like system testing and so on, they use dev boxes instead of of uh, tier two environments for cost reasons. Mm -hmm. And in that case, uh, it's a good idea to to do this because then you will need to manage users in a simpler way. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. All right, That's a good catch. Um, I have. Uh, there are so many features in this release. So this is kind of a, a precursor to how it's going to be next year when we have these smaller um, windows and um, much more features. Uh, my next one is um, it's actually two. Uh, there is two on hand changes coming in here. One being the uh, the app, the mobile app, which is in preview, of course, but it's uh, it's basically a power app um, built by Microsoft. Uh, using virtual entities to to check on hand from FNO from supply chain, um, I, I think it's nice. It's a, like a proof of concept, or it's usable fully, of course. Uh, but you can also like see how it's built and understand how it's how it's working to get on hand directly from FNO. Uh, and and again, it's a power app, so we can you can publish it to to anyone to fulfill any on hand scenario, uh, and it checks directly off FNO. Uh, but if you, like me, love the Inventory Visibility app, which is also a nice little feature we brought up a couple of times here before, they have also enabled some features or um, additional functionality in, in visibility for 
finding on hand um, by attribute. So it's, they've basically enhanced the search capabilities using APIs. Um, you have a query with product search that you can use via API. Uh, and they've also enabled logging for this, so you can like gain some insights in how your visibility <laughs> app is being used and what products are being asked for the most, for instance. So, so basically, you have two different options here. Where if you need to to support on hand um, outside of FNO uh, or to publish on hand to your sales team or to to third party systems, um, you can use visibility app with API, and you can connect it with your uh, front end e commerce, and you can open up a couple of scenarios where you can search um, for products not using the product number. You can search for, for attributes and you can get a list of products. Give me all uh, black jackets in this particular size on this particular size um, and then and that are available to me so I can see what's actually on hand. So there's a lot of different functionality. You need to look at what, what use case you are interested in. But if you're already using visibility, then you should probably uh, keep using that to offset your performance and, and keep well, keep asking visibility for your own hand rather than FNO directly. But it's nice to have to have options, right, Johan? Yes, options is always good. Yeah. <clears throat> yes. All right. So my uh, final one is actually the one that I got uh, from you, and uh, it's <laughs> the fact that we have now enabled uh, bulk editing in in uh, the grids we have talked a lot about the new modern grids in fno <laughs> i would say that it's gotten a, a bit too much attention so but but i mean <laughs> the thing is it there was room for improvement so i i'm guessing that is also why yeah yeah uh so we are now able to do uh bulk editing so we can basically edit multiple lines at the same time I would just hope that they would implement the modern grid in more places where it's not. So, <laughs> yeah, and I think this feature uses like a button or some some kind of feature to to mass update <laughs> this particular field with all with the same value. And I've seen this customization uh, around because because of the grid. Well, you have to. Well, I think it's fast to open an Excel and do stuff like that, but. It, it does solve a specific scenario in some cases. So it's nice yep. to be able to yep. use it, I, think, I would say. Yes. yes. That's cool. Uh, I still have a lot of, but I have to pick my favorites. That's the whole point of this, <laughs> of this show. Um, but it was harder this time than it usually is. There is so, so much. And you see Copilot coming in a lot as well. Um, and I, I'm pretty sad about it because Copilot right now is uh, a lot of there's a lot of regional limits towards us and i'm mainly working european sites uh, right now at least so so um i can't use as much or test or play around with copilot as much as i would like in fno um just to name a few there is uh, product inquiry in app copilot chat functionality still the same like enables you to to ask your power uh, virtual agent to um, search for products that are available perhaps there is, which is a nice thing, there is a generation of product enrichment content for e-commerce sites with Copilot in the Site Builder. For those of you using B2B or B2C uh, Site Builder, the um, headless commerce, there is, um, I'm guessing here, because I haven't been able to try it out, I'm guessing it looks at product dimensions, um, like whatever it can get a hold of and generates suggestions for um, product enrichment, for uh, selling texts, basically. 
And we have seen some horrible stories uh, before with AI-generated selling texts for products. So try it out and ensure that your master data is properly updated and correct. Then maybe you can get some efficiency out of this. Um, but uh, as soon as it's enabled in, in, uh, in the European region, I will test it out and, and report back here. Um, I have one final one. I just wanted to mention this. It's a small thing. It's for retail as well. It's for pools. Um, it's cash management for multiple currencies in a store. Basically, declaring a stock amount, tender removal, all of these things that you need to do in a store on a day-to-day -day basis now support multiple currencies. So you can manage cash across various currencies in a store. And this sounds like a small thing uh, because mainly you operate in the same currency, but in Sweden, at least, I'm guessing this is true for many countries. We have border stores, um, stores that reside close to um, Norway in this case. I know uh, we've had a lot of um, where we say or they, the customer says that we allow them to pay in their own currency. And then they do some kind of calculation and you do currency markup, etc. You see this across the many tourist streets <laughs> as well. Um, and I know there's been um, special handling of how those how the cash management works in those stores due to limitations in, in pools before. So this enables it to be more streamlined. So it's a nice thing, maybe not relevant for all, but it's a nice thing to uh, make it easier for the border stores to or the tourist stores to compete. Yes. So with that, I actually think that we are done for today. Great. And read up on the notes because there was like a 10 or 12 uh, features that we couldn't fit in but they were they were all interesting yes absolutely so until the next time Take bye care. bye bye bye